Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. stand together for just a moment and we read the Word of God together today and uh, see what the Lord would have for us this morning. The Bible says in verse number 1, when therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. Uh, Here in verse 4 is one of the most uh, one of the most important verses of this chapter, I believe. The Bible says in verse number 4, and he's speaking about Jesus, must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus therefore being wearied with his journey sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, uh, be, uh, how is it that thou being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, then uh, the Bible says, Thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children? and his cattle. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And then we'll conclude our reading in verse 15 where the Bible said, The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not neither come hither to draw. You may be seated. Let's bow for a word of prayer together, and then we'll get into the message that the Lord would have for us this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come into your presence once again, as thankfully and humbly, Lord, as we know how. Thank you, Lord God, for the good day that you've given us. Thank you, Lord uh, God, for the privilege to be able to be uh, in uh, Sunday school this morning, and what it means to be able, uh, Lord, to have Sunday school and be able to teach and preach uh, the Word of God, to declare uh, the truth of the Scripture. I pray, dear God, for uh, these next few moments. I pray, dear God, that you'd use me. You'd loose my tongue. I pray, dear God, you'd fill me with the Holy Ghost. Help me to say only those things that you'd have to be said this morning. And I pray, dear God, that you would teach us the Scriptures. Help us to see practical truth and understanding here in the Word of God. I realize that we're so familiar with this passage, those of us that have been in church any length of time. But, Heavenly Father, I pray, dear God, in the name of Jesus, that you would speak it to us afresh and anew. You'd minister to our 
it uh, uh, to our hearts again afresh and anew. And Father, I pray, dear God, that you would uh, help us to be able to walk in the truth, God, that you'd give us today. May you apply it to our lives. May sinners be saved. May lives be changed. And may you get glory to yourself for everything that's said and done. We'll give you the praise, the honor, and the glory for it all. In the name that is above every name, in the name of Jesus Christ we pray, amen and amen. When we come to the passage here in John chapter number 4, of course it is a very familiar passage of Scripture as I said in our prayer to the Lord just a moment ago. We understand this passage, we understand what is taking place. This is the passage of Scripture in which Jesus meets with this woman at the well. Uh, we understand that uh, the, the, what the Bible says here about Jesus and his disciples uh, going into this area of Samaria and uh, meeting there a woman, uh, the Bible says, in a, in, uh, to a, in a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar. And here the scene takes place uh, around a whale. And, you know, I, I started thinking about uh, this. And, uh, you know, uh, many years ago, and I, I've never seen it, and I, I don't know. I, I, I don't do a whole lot of this, uh, but I, I did think about uh, this as a well-side story. You know, in 1961, there was a, uh, a very popular, actually was the uh, one of the most popular films of the day, was the most popular film of the year. Uh, that year became the most popular film of all time uh, that was uh, made by film director Robert Wise, and it was called A West Side Story. I don't know how many of you uh, may have seen that or heard of that. Uh, that story became so popular that it became, that movie became so popular, it actually became part of uh, our vernacular as Americans. We uh, talk about if there's a, if you're talking about a feud or uh, you're talking about two people uh, trying to have dispute over something, they'll say it's like a West Side story. And the reason for that is, is it was an adaption of uh, the Shakespearean romance, uh, Romeo and Juliet put on film. It was an adaption of that where uh, two rival gangs from New York City were fighting uh, for control of New York's uh, Upper West Side, hence uh, the name West Side Story. And uh, that was very popular, and, and uh, we, we've moved that into our common language today. Uh, but I'm not here to talk to you about a secular uh, West Side Story, but I am uh, thankful this morning for the Word of God and a scriptural Well Side Story. Amen. And uh, instead of encouraging you to watch the West Side Story, I'm not going to do that. But here in the Word of God this morning, I want us to lay our eyes and uh, through uh, the lenses of the Scriptures, I want us to watch this well-side story. And uh, just like with a, a film adaption or a play or something of that nature, even a, even a novel, uh, as you uh, see the story and read a story and uh, the story unfolds, there are uh, characters that begin to unfold that uh, make the story what it is. This morning, I want us to look at this Wellside story. I'm preaching on the subject, watching the Wellside story. And I want us to do that from the lens of two different characters that we find here in this text. There are three that I could deal with, but I'm not even sure I'll be able to get through two. So we're going to at least plan on two 
and see how far we get this morning. Uh, but the first character I want us to see in this Wellside story, number one, uh, is the character of the Savior, uh, the Savior here in the passage. I would say this morning that it is Jesus truly uh, that makes John chapter number four uh, a story, an account in the Word of God uh, that is worthy to behold and worthy to be one that we are so familiar with. And the reason we're so familiar with it is because we've read it, we've heard Sunday school lessons about it, we've heard preachers preach on it, and that means to us that uh, throughout the ages, Christians have watched uh, the events transpire through the pages of the Word of God of this well-side story and have seen things in it uh, that are worth sharing with others. Amen. And if, if that is the case, no doubt, and the reason for that is because of the Savior and what the Bible says about the Lord Jesus here uh, in this passage. Amen. So when we look in these pass this passage of Scripture, we see a collection of verses uh, concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we know Him through the Word of God, of course, to be uh, the Savior of the world, and I hope He's your Savior this morning. Amen. And uh, if He is, you've got an eternity worth of reasons to rejoice and to praise and give God glory this morning. Uh, notice as we uh, look in this passage what the Bible says about our Savior as we look at Him and watch Him within the scene of this well-side story uh, through the writings of the Apostle John. Notice that this Savior, the Bible tells us that He uh, comes uh, to this well-side. Uh, the Bible says in uh, verse number 4, look at it in your Bibles. And verse number 3 says, He left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And so we see the original destination of His journey. But in verse number 4, the Bible tells us of a, of a path that uh, Christ had chosen to take. I believe uh, he, the, the, the phrase, must needs go, uh, does imply to us that uh, He was being led of His Father uh, to take this journey. Amen. And it's not a journey that the Bible would teach us uh, that most Jews would take. If you're a student of your Bible and a student of history, uh, Jewish history, church history, uh, you'll know uh, that the Jewish people would do anything but go straight through Samaria. They'd go the long way around to avoid having to have, as uh, the Samaritan woman says to Jesus later on in the text, in order to have no dealings with the Samaritans. That was their common uh, practice at the time. Jews had no dealings with the Samaritan. Uh, but Jesus here, and I praise him for it, uh, decided that he was going to do what others would not do. Uh, he was going to be obedient to his father, and when he said, I must, here in the Bible, it says he must needs go through Samaria. We've all heard messages as to why uh, Jesus must needs go through Samaria, and it's because there was a woman there that he knew would be coming to the well uh, that needed to have a conversation with him that would lead to her conversion. Amen. And I, can I say this this morning, verse number four. Uh, first of all, Jesus, uh, following the Father's leadership, uh, went to Samaria. And when he came to the scene of this well side, as is uh, said to us in verse number five and in verse number six, uh, that he is there at the well side. Can I say this? First of all, the Savior came with a special interest. Amen. And aren't you glad that Jesus comes uh, to the aid of those that are lost? and 
undone and in need of him. And he comes to them with special interest. Amen. Notice the Bible says there, verse 4, uh, that he must needs go through Samaria. In other words, there is a supernatural interest that he had in Samaria. It was not secular uh, Jews. As I said, it was not part of their interest. But on this day, uh, Jesus had an interest. And if you study this passage about how uh, even uh, you think about verse number 8, where the Bible says, for his disciples were going away into the city to buy meat. And then how the Bible uh, continues <coughs> to describe the reaction of the disciples to being in this place. Uh, Jesus' interest did not even match the interests of his servants. Amen. Did not even match the interests of the disciples. Uh, they followed him there, but they were not interested in being there. Amen. All throughout this story, there is not one positive thing mentioned about the disciples in terms of uh, wanting to be there and wanting to affect change in this woman's life. Amen. But Jesus had an interest in her. Amen. And so we see this woman uh, here in John chapter number 4. Uh, she is a Samaritan. Uh, she is what, uh, what we would look at as uh, uh, someone who uh, they would look at as a Gentile dog, the Jews would. Uh, but she had kept in, according to this passage, had kept into her religious philosophies uh, some of the tenets of Judaism and had, uh, uh, had uh, the Samaritans took tenets of Judaism and converted them and changed them some and altered them. And so that added to an animosity between uh, the Jews and the Samaritans. Uh, Jesus had an interest in her. The disciples didn't. And we'll see in this passage so many others in society did not. Jesus came to the well because she knew, or he, uh, how he knew rather, that she would be there. Amen. I think about, uh, when I think about the Lord and his special interest, I can't help but think about Luke chapter number 19 and verse number 9 and 10, another famous passage that we teach our children. And that, that is the story of Zacchaeus. Amen. Uh, very few people uh, in the nation of Israel uh, among the Jewish people would have been interested in Zacchaeus. Amen. Uh, Luke 19, 9 and 10 tells us a wonderful verse. Jesus said to Zacchaeus, he said, this day is salvation come to this house for so much as he also is a son of Abraham for the son of man is come to seek and to save that which was, that which was lost. Amen. Can I say that is the central theme, if you will, of the ministry of the Lord Jesus, that he came into the world, amen, to seek and to save that which is lost. Amen. Whether it be a Zacchaeus, amen, that the Jews wanted nothing to do with because even though he was a Jewish man by his occupation as a tax collector, they viewed him as a thief. They viewed him as a scoundrel. They viewed him as someone that was lining with pockets that he was robbing and, 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 and taking away from his own people in order to gain favor with the Roman Empire that he was building a life by becoming a friend to Rome and, and, and become an enemy of the Jewish people. They looked at him. They looked at him as a thief. And Jesus still said that salvation had come. Speaking about himself arriving at Zacchaeus's house, he said, salvation has come to this house. He is the salvation that came to the house. And that is the context in which the famous words for the Son of Man 
man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Aren't you thankful this morning that there is a, that our Savior is one that has a special interest in the down and elder. He has a special interest in the one that does not deserve. He has a special interest in the ones that others may not think much of. Amen. But he has come to seek them out and to save them. Amen. And here we find in John chapter number 4 another case of such a woman. Amen. When others had written her off, there was a Savior that had, had made a pit stop just for her as he was headed to Galilee. Amen. He took special interest in this woman in John chapter number 4. He went to where he knew that she would be. Amen. She, uh, he brought salvation to her. Amen. And I'll say this, I'm thankful that as the age, at the age of 8 years old there was a Savior that did not write Mayo, South Carolina off of his, uh, off of his uh, uh, map of the world and he knew there was an 8 year, eight year old boy, amen, during VBS at Mayo First Baptist Church amen, that for the first time had heard the gospel and he took an interest in me and he came to where I was and he sought me and he saved me and I'm forever changed today. I'm thankful for the special interest of the Lord. God had proven, uh, has proven throughout the scriptures and throughout our, our lives uh, that the prominent religion of our founding fathers of deism is truly not uh, in the heart of God. Deism says God created the world and left it alone and does not intervene himself in the affairs of men. He has left man to their own devices and I'm thankful uh, this morning that those that ascribe to that belief in our history of uh, the Bible has uh, to say that that is in error, that we do have a God that is interested in us. He's interested in our eternal life and he's interested in our life here. Amen. I'm thankful for a special interest. But here we find that when he came to the well, he came not only with special interest, but can I say this this morning? He came with special information. Notice what the Bible says. Don't have time uh, to read the verses this morning, but if you want to study it out, look it over your own time. Verse number 7 all the way through verse number 39 tells us about the special information that Jesus had for this Samaritan woman. Amen. Their whole conversation is Jesus sharing with her information that she does not understand, but that she needs to understand, and that he knew about her before he ever arrived at the well. Amen. All of the things he says about her, that was why he must needs go uh, through Samaria. He didn't learn those just because he showed up at the well. No, he knew them before he came to the well, and that propelled him to make the visit that he made. Amen. He gives this Samaritan woman two uh, special pieces of information, uh, amen, that she marveled at here in this passage of Scripture. Notice what the Bible says. In verse number 6, the Bible says, Now Jacob's well was there, Jesus therefore being wearied with his journey. Amen. This is not part of the message, but aren't you thankful we have a we had a Savior that was 100% man, and that's the way he was able to reach us and to be our Savior, but he was also able to be our Savior because he not only was 100% man, but he was 100% God. He was 100% God enough that he went, to, he went to Samaria to be this Samaritan woman's Savior. Savior, 
but he was 100% man enough that it was his physical uh, weariness, amen, that caused him to sit right at the place uh, where she was headed. The Bible says, I've always, I've always marveled at that statement there where it says that Jesus was weary, amen. Can I say this? It is no sin to be weary or else Jesus here would not be qualified to be our Savior, amen. The Bible says now, uh, the Bible said now Jacob's well was there, Jesus therefore being wearied with his journey sat thus on the well and it was about the sixth hour that would be about 12 noon verse number 7 says there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Here she is. She arrives here in this wellside story, in this wellside scene with our Savior. The Bible says that Jesus um, saith unto her, Give me to drink. The conversation begins there in verse 7. Verse 8, uh, the Bible gives us that aside comment concerning the disciples. Verse 9, the Bible said, Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, Ask his drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria, for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. We've settled that, what is taking place here and why she is marveling at the interaction that uh, they are having. Amen. Verse number 10, the Bible said, by the way, let me say this before I go on. Uh, that does this particular thing here, uh, verse, number, uh, verse number 9, where there was some differences between them and others would not. It was so prominent that she sees him as a Jew. She looks different than he does. He looks different than she does. There are physical things that set them apart, that made them different, and there was, uh, there was a prevailing opinion, but yet it did not stop Jesus from reaching out to her, from having a conversation with her. And there will be people, as we go for the Lord, that will look different than us, that will be noticeably different than us, may smell different than us. Amen. I'm telling you, I'm thank God for the times in my life. I've been able to, I've been able to put my arms around somebody and love them to a saving knowledge of the Lord. And to be honest with you, amen, when I left their presence, amen, uh, you could tell that I had been with them because uh, I still had the, the leftovers of uh, their smell on my clothes. Amen. You say, preacher, aren't, aren't you, aren't you turned up by that? Aren't you turned off by that? No, thank God. Amen. I had, a, I had an opportunity uh, to be a little bit more like Jesus and going to someone that doesn't look like me, doesn't act like me, doesn't have, uh, didn't have the uh, background that I have. Amen. The grace of God has not worked in their life yet like he's worked in mine. But I was able to do what the Lord is doing here and you can as well. The Bible does not say give the gospel to those you think are worthy of it. Doesn't say give the gospel uh, to those that you think uh, you can get around and it'd be uh, okay and comfortable. God's not looking for comfortable. Amen. God's looking for you to give the gospel to those that he loved enough to die for. And last time I checked, every person in this world, no matter of color, creed, no matter of race or religion, no matter of any other status of society, no other what label we can put on them, falls within the category of those that Jesus loved when he so loved the world and those that he gave his life for as he laid down his life as a ransom for many. Amen. They fall in the category and they need the gospel too. Jesus here gives us a wonderful example of that. It's not part of the message, but I thought it made for good preaching. Amen. Look at verse 10. 
The Bible said, Jesus answered and said unto, said, said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God. Now can I say this? That is true wisdom of God in that statement because the reason that most people will turn not all but the reason why most people will turn you down when you give the gospel is because they truly do not understand the grace of God the, the gift that God has to give he said if thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee give me to drink thou wouldest have asked of him and he would have given the living water. Here they begin a conversation about the first piece of special information that Jesus has to give, and that is special information concerning water. The Bible says they have this conversation throughout this passage. I'm always amazed how Jesus takes the, uh, takes the physical things around him and so easily and with great care and with great ease and with great, uh, with, with it being so natural, he takes uh, the things that he has uh, that are surrounding the both of them and he flips it on its head and he uses it as an opportunity uh, to share the gospel. Amen. And uh, again, that's not the message, but there's so much soul winning preaching here in John chapter number 4 from the example of Christ. Amen. Jesus was and is the greatest soul winner to ever live. He shows us in a perfection uh, kind of a way uh, how to do it. Amen. And he tells her about living water. He said, if you knew what it is I had to offer and you knew who I was, you'd be asking of me and I would have given thee living water and no Notice now the whole reason why she is there is to draw physical water out of that physical well, Jacob's well. And as far as she knows, that's the same reason why Jesus would be there. To get, why do you go to a well? Well, it's to get water out of it. Amen. Why do you put a well on the property of your home? Amen. So you can get water out of it. Amen. And so uh, she probably thought the same thing about Jesus. Amen. And, but Jesus mentioned something here that he calls living water. Living water. And in talking about living water, look at verse number 11. Her interest is piqued. The Bible says, the woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with. In other words, she's looking at it and saying, if you came here to draw water for yourself, you're out of luck. If you're talking about water you can give me, you're out of luck. Friend, I don't know how you're going to draw this water. Thou hast nothing to draw with. And the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? How do you have water for me? You don't have anything to get it out of the well. In her mind, she's still thinking about the physical well that they are standing by. Remember, this is a well side story. Amen. She's talking about it. Verse 12, Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? How can you do something that our, uh, that our uh, founding fathers, if you will, that our, our uh, religious uh, heritage, those in our past couldn't do? 
Are you better than they? Verse 13. Again, you see, uh, she's at Jacob's well. Uh, she's talking about uh, Jacob, calls him our father Jacob. She is merging in those air, those uh, attributes of Judaism. Amen. Uh, verse number 13. By the way, the Samaritan woman is proof you can have religion and not have a relationship with Christ. Amen. She can talk about the well. She can talk about Jacob. She can talk about all these things. And we'll find out in a few more verses. She had a lot more religious things to talk about, but she was still unsaved and she still was living a week. You, by the way, this passage proves not only can you uh, have religion and be unsaved, but you can have religion and not live right. Amen. Be out in sin. Have your life filled with sin and have it all and your religion just be okay and let you live however you want to live. There's so many things we could say in this passage. Verse 13. The Bible said Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water. So you've got your mind on the water in the well. I'm not here to talk to you about the water in the well. He, in other words, he, he tells her there, well, no, y'all leave me alone. Look at verse 13. <laughs> Jesus answered. I'm telling you, there's so much preach all over this. Amen. <laughs> Jesus, I've forgotten what a Sunday morning feels like. Amen. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. He's pointing her mind to, uh, to, to, to trying to take where she thinks he's talking about and where she thinks his mind is and still pointing her to the right direction. Again, with soul winning, it is so important to never let yourself get sidetracked down a side road. Just keep pressing toward what you're there to tell them about. Amen. Could you imagine what would, uh, can you imagine what could have happened in this woman's life if Jesus was like you and I are a lot of times when we give the gospel and we hear somebody say, well, I don't believe that and I believe this way and we go down their rabbit holes with them instead of sticking with the message and sticking with the gospel and carrying it through without being uh, distracted. Amen. Could you imagine if Jesus would have been like us? Chances are there never would have been a day to where this Samaritan woman would get saved and to go into the city saying, come see a man which told me everything I ever did. Amen. That day may have never come. If it wouldn't have been staying on track. Jesus stays on track. He gets her on track when she gets sidetracked. Amen. And I'm telling you, I've done it enough to be able to tell you without hesitation, that's easier said than done. Brother Lewis, you remember we were here just a few weeks ago talking to that fellow. I sent a text out to the men. Still keep praying for that man. But you, Brother Lewis would say, uh, he told me, he said, Preacher, I think you did a good job staying on track. But I could tell it was difficult because he he, he would I mean, he just wanted to go everywhere with it. Amen. And trying to sometimes it's easier said than done. Amen. But here we find a perfect example in Jesus. Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. Verse 14, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him, he gets back on target. He was talking to her a few verses ago about the water that he could give. And now he is talking about water that he can give again. Whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst 
but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Verse 15, the woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus here has, has information for her about water. Amen. Verse 9 through verse 15, their conversation is about water. She had come to the place to get the water in the well. Amen. But the Bible tells us that the Lord tells her of a new kind of water. Amen. Uh, when you look here of what the Bible is saying in verse number 14, whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him. She's thinking about that Jesus is saying that he is going to take down and lower a bucket into the well and pull up water and give it to her that way. Jesus is saying, no, you don't have to worry about me coming to this well to give water. He's given of himself. Amen. He's talking about not Jacob's well, but he's talking about Jesus. Jesus as the well. Amen. I've got something from me that I can bestow to you that'll make you never thirst again. That's what he says here in John chapter number four. So special information about the water. But then I'll have then uh, let's look at this this morning. I don't know how much more time I'll be able uh, to deal with this. But look at verse number 16 through 19. Jesus not only gave her special uh, information about the water, but he gave her special information about a woman. The Bible says there in verse 16 through 19, the woman that Jesus is speaking of is, uh, is uh, this uh, Samaritan woman. Verse 16, Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus saith unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, in that thou sayest truly. Now look at verse 19. The Bible says there in verse 19, the woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Why would she say that in verse 19? Jesus has just told her information about herself that she knows good and well. There is no reason that he could know way he could have known that. Amen. She looked at him. She knew. Well, he's a Jew. He doesn't live around here. He's not going to be found in, the Samaria, uh, in Samaria. Amen. And so we understand uh, that uh, there's no way that Jesus could have even uh, perhaps heard this uh, through the grapevine, if you will. Jesus, I'm telling you, I'm thankful this morning that we have a Savior, amen, that can always put the dial on exactly what we need to hear. He not only has special interest, but he has special information for us as well, amen. Aren't you glad for the day in your life where the Savior came to where you were and he told you exactly where you were, you stood with him. He told you exactly what your spiritual condition was. He had information for you that maybe you didn't even have for yourself. And aren't you glad that when it came time for the truth to be given, he had truth to give. Amen. We find this Savior at this well-signed story had some things to tell her about herself. He goes on to talk about her life of loose living. Amen. He goes on to talk about her past. Goes 
on to talk about the failures in her personal life. For thou hast had five husbands, <coughs> and he whom <coughs> thou now hast is not thy husband. Not only has she had a past to where there's been some failed marriages, but she is living <coughs> in a life of open sin. At this point, amen, he knows where she's been in her life of sin, and he knows where she is in her life of sin. And Jesus here has the answer for her. Amen. Verse 20, as she said, I perceive thou art a prophet. Prophet, using that term, that is a religious word. Amen. She, in verse number 20, our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem it's a place where men ought to worship. She is trying to show off He's already identified. I know that you have those failed marriages, and I know that you're living in sin today. And isn't it interesting that when the Holy Ghost of God begins to turn the light on, amen, to us oftentimes and lets us know that we are in sin, and there's sin we need to get right with Him, how easy we are to begin to make excuses as to why we don't really need the, the information that the Lord is sharing with us. How many times have you have done, as I hope you've done it at least, amen, how many times have those of us that have tried to share the gospel with someone, as Jesus is doing here, you, they, you have showed them in a personal way where they stand with God in reference to their sin. You've taken them to Romans 3 for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And even though God has declared that all have sinned, me, you, and everybody else in the world all includes them. They still have a story of their own to tell about, well, I'm not as bad as you may think, and I'm not as bad as this other one. And they begin to do like this woman has done and pull from whatever piece of religious information they may have had. She uses words like prophets. She tries to identify with him and to bring camaraderie between the two of them by saying, our father's worship in this mountain begins to talk about things like worship. Amen. And <laughs> you think about this. Amen. Jesus said there, verse 21, Jesus said unto her, woman, believe me, the, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Whichever one you are trying to claim is right, amen, whether in this mountain, Mount Gerizim, or whether it is at Jerusalem, as the, you know the Jews say, amen, there's a day coming uh, where neither in any of these places uh, are, are you going to worship the Father. He said, verse 22, we worship, you know, or ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. She tried to show off her religious prowess 
by what she had to say to the Savior. But Jesus turned around and said, no matter what you have to say about worship, there's one way to worship God. <clears throat> there's one way to come to God. There's one way to be saved. Amen. And he mentions that here. He goes, he did, goes completely away from her entire, uh, her entire uh, story that she had already given to Jesus. God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Verse 25, I've got to end here. <clears throat> the woman <clears throat> saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Verse 26, Jesus saith unto her, again, she's trying to be very religious, very spiritual, saying, I know this is going to happen. But Jesus shuts down all of that in verse 26 when he said, I that speak unto thee am he. Jesus lets her know. He had a special interest in her. He got him to the well. He had special information for her. And that's what I'm going to finish with this morning. <clears throat> the most special piece of information that he had. Yes, it was about the water. Yes, it was about the woman. But the most special piece of information that he had was about himself. He's saying, I'm he. he in other words, he's telling her, what you think you need in this moment. You came to the well with a need. You think you have needs. He says, I'm telling you what your greatest need is. Your greatest need is me. And I am here to fulfill the need of your life to where you'll never thirst again. You'll never have a longing again. You'll never have a missing peace when it comes to your spiritual life. She was so confused spiritually. Jesus said, for you, uh, to, for you to have clarity spiritually, it's not difficult. It's not about a mountain. It's not about a whale. It's not about a, a, a way of worship uh, that is of, of debate between Samaritans and Jews. No. What you need to be spiritually where you need to be, Jesus says, is me. I'm he. Aren't you glad this morning that he's all that we need? Amen. <clears throat> we look at this wellside story. And in this Samaritan, I think we can see a picture of us. He's our greatest need. If you're saved here this morning, Jesus has met the greatest need that any of us have. And we should worship him and praise him for it this morning. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed just for a moment. We'll be dismissed from this Sunday school hour. <clears throat> Amen. I appreciate your kind attention. It's been several weeks since I've preached, been able to preach on Sunday morning with revival. And apparently my voice isn't going to hold out. Amen. But it's been good while it lasted. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness and for your grace. Thank you, Lord, for this well-side story. And, Lord, as we didn't see everything that there is to see, Lord God, there are several things that you allowed us to see that no doubt are a, are a blessing to my life. And, Lord, even 
<clears throat> to the life of this saved and for those that are here that are saved there is a point of rejoicing that we can give you praise and honor and glory for I pray dear God in the name of Jesus Christ God that you'd bless God that you'd touch and Lord God that you'd help us to always be thankful for what you've done in the service to come help us enter into it rejoicing and how good you are to each and every one of us dear Lord I pray those of us that are saved thank you Lord for the special interest God you took in us and thank you Lord for the special information God that you have granted to each and every one of us concerning our sin and concerning ourself and concerning our state before you and how it is that we can enter into a relationship with you father have your will and way I pray Lord we sure do love you thank you Lord for the safe uh, passage for brother Taylor here this morning and Lord I pray dear God that you'd touch him in the morning and evening service tonight Lord that you'd preach him Lord as you've never preached him before give him physical strength that he needs make preaching easy and I pray dear God that you would get glory through everything that's said and done in the name that is above every name in the name of Jesus we pray amen and amen thank you for making us part of your day we would love to hear from you please find us on Facebook or at our website bbclexington.com <laughs>